Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather each Sunday morning at 10.30 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church as Pastor Joel preaches on Revelation chapter 21, verses 9 through 27, with a message entitled, Come, I Will Show You the Bride. Hey everybody, good morning. It's nice that you're here this morning. I hope you stay cool in the shade and we have a great uh, message this morning. We are in a series in the book of Revelation and some people really like it and are very fascinated by it and other people are like, it's just confusing and, and they don't get it at all and they don't like it. Well, it's only a four-week series and we're already in week two. So we've only got two more weeks, so hang in there. And why are we studying the book of Revelation? Well, one of the things, the convictions that we have here at Hollyview is the whole counsel of God's word uh, is our foundation for, for life, uh, and ministry and how we work and live here, uh, the whole counsel of God's word. Well, the whole counsel of God's word is made up of two parts. There's a this Old Testament we call, uh, it's the first covenant we've given, and then the new covenant, the New Testament that's been given. And they're each in three parts. Uh, and over the last two years, we've been steadily working our way in each of those uh, pieces of the covenant. Uh, so the Torah, the writings, the prophets of the Old Testament, and then the gospels, the epistles, or the letters, and now the book of Revelation. Uh, and so the last uh, two years, uh, we've actually gone in pieces of each one of those uh, places in the Bible, so the whole canon. Not We didn't read the whole Bible, but we get pieces of it. And uh, we'll go back to 2 Samuel this fall, and then in January, we'll start the whole process over again. We'll hit something from the Torah, and then the Gospels, then the writings, and the epistles, and the prophets, and the book of Revelation again. Uh, so it's a long process, but we want everyone to be thoroughly equipped in the whole canon of scripture to be able to see and see what God's unveiling and redeeming purpose and plan is. Uh, so last week, we began to consider our eternal home. The first thing we saw is what it's not. There's no more sea there. And, and the sea really represented chaos and death and destruction, sorrow and pain. There, there's no more of that. Uh, we saw what it is. And, and God said, I'm making everything new. He didn't say, I'm making all new things. He's saying, I'm making all things new. There's a redemption, this picture of, uh, of what we see, but with, the, with sin and guilt and shame all removed from it, and that we get to see this beautiful new heaven and new earth. And then the last thing we saw is where it's at. We saw that God's dwelling place is going to be with man, not man's dwelling place with God. That's actually God. Uh, heaven comes down and invades earth so that heaven and earth are intertwined again. Uh, that God's dwelling place is with, with man. Now today, uh, that might have gone all over your head. Here's the summary. It's great. It's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be just an incredible thing we can't even imagine. Well, today we're going to see that no matter how great our eternal home is, the real prize that lies for all of us, the real aim for the Christians is not a place, but a person. Not a place, but a person. Our eternal home is about a relationship, not stuff. A relationship with a God who pursues us, redeems us, forgives, and loves us. The aim of the Christian life is not the streets of gold. The aim of the Christian life 
is in relationship with the one who is going to be there, Jesus. So I want to begin today by reading just one verse from uh, our passage, uh, Revelation 21 and verse 9, if you have your Bibles. Revelation 21 and verse 9. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to your scripture today, your word, and we're sitting outside, it's beautiful. Lord, would you uh, speak to each one of our hearts this morning? That we get a clear vision of who you are and who we are uh, in you and what you're calling us to. Uh, and Lord, these images and these metaphors and this apocalyptic literature uh, can be so confusing. So Lord, I, I just pray that you would, uh, you would send your spirit to make it clear uh, that we would hear just what you want us to hear. That we'd see what you'd want us to see this morning. So that we would, we would leave here knowing uh, who, what you're doing to each one of us. That you're calling us into that relationship. And Lord, that we would keep our eyes on you above all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come, I will show you the bride. Well, I met my wife, Amy, in the Czech Republic a long time ago when I was 19 years old. Uh, she was older than me, uh, athletic, fun, adventurous, loved Jesus, and was absolutely beautiful. And, and there was no chance. I, she was out of my league, and I, I knew it. I knew it wasn't even a, a possibility. So uh, we met, and nothing happened for two years. Uh, two years later, we met again in the Czech Republic, uh, again, and I was two years older, but she was two years older too, still out of my league, uh, when the team that she was on began to tease me a little bit. Uh, they began to say things like, hey, Joel, where's your wife at? Speaking about Amy. And I was like, okay, that's, that's just mean. I, I know, she's out of my league, just don't even, don't even joke with me uh, about that. Well, after two weeks of English camp, uh, the last night came, we had a bonfire, all the students were sitting outside, um, and Amy was sitting there talking with her students. They got up and left, and Amy was sitting all by herself, so I got the courage up as a 21-year-old to go, I'm just going to go over there and just kill this idea altogether. Um, and I don't know if, you know, you guys, if you're like this, you just want to hear a no, and then you can just put it out of your mind, right? So I, I sit down next to her, and we're talking, and I'm like, you know, people have been you know, talking about us, and uh, would you be interested in me at all? And she said, uh, no, not really, which was exactly what I was expecting to hear. So I said, yeah, that's what I thought. And then I'm like, oh, I didn't think, what's, what's, how's my exit? I didn't think through that. But we're just sitting there, and she starts asking me more questions. Like, so what would a relationship look like? I mean, you're going to be in Chicago, I'm in Portland. And I'm like, if you're not interested in me, why, like, are you taunting me now? Are you, te this is not nice, and, and I'm confused, and uh, she asked me a few more questions, and we're kind of awkwardly sitting there, and I'm like, okay, I'll just ask again. I'm like, are, are you sure you're not interested in me at all? And she goes, are you kidding? Of course. I thought it was obvious, and I, I learned then, obvious to man and obvious to woman, they're two different things. Those are two completely different things. I did not, I did not uh, get that at all. Well, Eventually, I moved out here to Portland to pursue my bride. Uh, we got married August 26, 2001, 20 years ago, uh, in just a few weeks, uh, out at Good Shepherd uh, Community Church right over there. I remember the day we got married very clearly. 
Uh, I ate breakfast at that Orient Cafe on 282nd. That's now overgrown by blackberry bushes. Uh, I didn't sleep very well the night before. It was over 100 degrees that day. So I know the, the temperature of the day 20 years ago because uh, it, was, it was hot. I also remember we took a lot of pictures beforehand in that hot heat uh, before the, the wedding. But there's one picture I have in my, in my mind uh, that I, I don't think I'll ever forget. See, the whole bridal party, we had already gone into the sanctuary. We were waiting up front. Uh, the doors were all closed, and, and the music changed. And you know what happens then? The bride is coming. So, so as the music changed, everyone stands up, and as they were facing the whole bridal party, they all turn and, and put their backs towards us and, and look at the door because they're waiting for the bride to come. And as the doors opened up in the sanctuary that day, I, I just remember there's just a flood of lights because it was pretty dark in the sanctuary. And as the lights came in, there was a silhouette over uh, my bride, and she looked like an angel. I thought, wow, this is amazing. And then she stepped in even, uh, uh, you know, that slow uh, walk in. She stepped in, and you can be able to get, get focus on who she was. And I thought, oh, I got the pictures of Amy. And I'm like, beautiful. I can't believe she's going to marry me. This is amazing. She's just breathtaking. Well, in that sanctuary, all the eyes were on the bride. All of them, except for one. There were one pair of eyes that were looking at me, and that was my bride. All eyes on the bride, my bride's eyes on me. Well, I want us to stop right there. I want, you, I want to have that image in your head of the doors opening, the lights coming in, the silhouette, and the bride stepping in. I want, that, I want you to have that in your minds as we come to our text today. As, as the doors are opened and the angel says, Come, I will show you the bride. Let's look in verse 9. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance, like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall and twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies foursquare, its length the same as its width, and he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia, its length and its width and height all equal. He also measured its walls, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel, first with jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, and the tenth chrysoprase, and the eleventh genites, and the twelfth emeth, 
And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the streets of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord, God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into, the, into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. May God add his blessing to the reading of the word. It can be a little confusing, huh? All those imageries and pictures, and they're all really rich in meaning, but they're all derived from the Old Testament that finds its fulfillment in Jesus. And he's communicating this idea, these visions, in a much different culture, in a much different context, and it's often very difficult for us to, to grasp over 2,000 years later. See, John, John begins to tell us about this vision, and the angel brings him, says, and the angel says, come, I will show you the bride, and then the rest of the verses, he starts describing a, a, a city. And we're like, is he describing a city, or is he describing a bride, or is he describing both? Well, he's actually describing the bride by using a, a city, but not probably like you think of, not like a building, and uh, uh, we don't often associate uh, calling a bride with a, a building, uh, of course, when I, when I got married, that little imagery came into place. Uh, when I came and got married, it was described on the day of my wedding day that I was like a horse going to the barn. A horse going to the barn. Did you tell him? I think my father-in-law told me that. I was a horse going to the barn. Well, as you can clearly see, I'm not a horse. And as you can clearly see, my wife is not a barn. And she didn't like to be called a barn. Uh, but it's the imagery of what was happening that day, Right? It, it was an image of, there was this longing, this desire to be together. It was me pursuing her, wanting to be with her. Uh, and so as a horse comes to a barn, was like me and my bride that day. Now, uh, it gives meaning to the picture. What it's like, uh, please don't call Amy a barn. She won't like that. Uh, it's an image of what's happening that day. And something as similar is happening in the book of Revelation and John's vision that day. The angel is showing John the bride, the lamb, and he's like, look at her, stunning, beautiful. It's just amazing. And the bride in this imagery is actually the church. It's the people of, of God through, through the history of humanity up till us now. It's, it's a people of God, a worshiping community of people. That, Jesus marries a people, not a, not a city. So if you've given your life to Jesus, and you're part of this bride, and then in our passage today, he's going to describe this bride in images of a city, but it's actually with very deep, rich meanings. So I, I want to point out just four of those pictures today, four, four pictures of the bride from the city. The first thing we see is a picture of our purity, a picture of our purity, it's like on that wedding day when the doors busted open and there was light and Amy was there with a white dress, uh, a picture of beauty and purity. The scene that John witnesses, uh, he's taken to this high mountain to see uh, the bride come in and, and he first sees it's, she's beautiful. 
She isn't wearing a white dress, though. She's wearing the glory of God himself. And she's got these precious jewels uh, all over her, glimmering in the light. She's a picture of purity. And there's nothing false or, or fake about this bride. So before we, uh, before we go on, how, how did we get to that point when the door is open and uh, this city bride, purity, how did we get there? Well, if you look back in verse 2, John says, I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for hus- her husband. Prepared. Uh, that's actually a, p- a passive word in the Greek. It's something that happens to the bride. She has been prepared. It was as if God removed uh, the dirty, tattered dress of sin and failure and shame, removed that and clothed us with honor and beauty and glory and purity. The bride is prepared. It's something that, that actually happens to her, not something that she achieves on her own. You know, I've only heard stories uh, from several women about the wedding day and how... Um, how passive it is. You, you sit there, you close your eyes as someone does your makeup. You, you sit there as someone does your nails, and then you can't even put your shoes on because your nails are done. Uh, even going to the bathroom, I've heard, is a struggle. Uh, you can't even put your own dress on because you're standing there like this as someone puts a dress on. You are adorned beautiful. In the similar way, That's what God is doing for all of us or wants to do for all of us. He wants to prepare us, to clothe us in his glory so that no one can have an accusation against us or or, or say that she isn't what she is going to be made into being, that that God is speaking purity and beauty over us. And as we give ourselves to the Lord, he is in the process of purifying us, of calling us his own, of smoothing out the broken edges and making us whole and pure so that we can radiate his glory. We're a picture of our purity in that. The second thing we see is a picture of our past and really an invitation, a picture of, of redemption. You know, I asked Amy to marry me at a student retreat. I had 300 students there. Uh, it was like a skit night, and I did it in the form of a skit. So as I got down on one knee, we had like 300, uh, 400 people there all screaming because they knew what was happening. Yeah, yeah. I got down on my knee and I asked Amy, hey, would you be my bride? Would you come home to me every night? Would you choose me and me alone? Well, uh, in asking that, in getting down on that knee, what I was asking was Amy was all of her. I wasn't saying, hey, uh, can I just be your bride, but let's just forget everything in your past and it'll just be from here. Or I want to be your bride, but only on these days because the other days I got other stuff going on. I, I was saying, I want Amy, I want all of you. The good, the bad, the imperfect, the perfect, the beautiful. I want all of you. I'm inviting all of you to be my bride. And I was asking her, will you choose me? Forsaking all others, and I promise the same thing in return. It's really a leaving behind of your past and and this redemption and coming to the one who promises to love you well the angel angel gives us actually a picture of this in the city there's 12 gates uh, and 12 foundations and and these 12 gates and 12 foundations are then connected to uh, the 12 tribes of israel the 12 sons of jacob 
and connected to the 12 apostles, uh, the foundations and the gates of the city that, you, that, you, that are on display are built on the backs and the redemption story of, of 12 tribes and 12 apostles. Now, if you could tell me, maybe after the service, which one of those guys was like, oh yeah, that's the guy that you're going to build a city on. That's the guy that's, he's legit. He's really, really good. Because if you know the story of the, tri- the tribes and also the apostles, you're like, uh, mess up, mess up. He didn't do right. He was a liar. He was really violent. It, there was broken baggage that each one of them brought with them. And yet somehow God takes the story of those 12 tribes and 12 apostles and goes, this is what I'm building my redemption story on. These guys are on display for you to see. I'm inviting you in to that story. Will you choose me? Well, those gates that he sets up, they're not gates that are meant to keep people out, but they're actually gates that are meant to welcome people in. That's why we put those little mats on our doors. Welcome, come in. Those are the gates of the city. They're, they're wide open, welcoming people. Please, come in. It doesn't matter uh, where you're from, your education, your ethnicity. You're all invited. It has this little thing of three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. Three gates, all equal. There's an opportunity to come in if you're uh, way far off from the Lord or if you actually grew up in the church. It's all, and it doesn't matter where you come from, this city, this bride is welcome and open to everyone. Everyone come in. So it doesn't matter uh, if you're single or married, you're invited doesn't matter if you're divorced, you're invited in. doesn't matter if you're old or young, rich or poor, it doesn't matter. You're invited. The gates are wide open when you come in. It's inviting us to come in. He's inviting everyone. Would you come in? Would you, would you give your life to the Lord? He loves you. He sent his son for you. You know, I don't know your, your past, but this picture, I think, gives us uh, hope that God can use and invite broken people uh, to be part of his plan, his bride, his city. So your story is not over with yet. And this, this story of the city of these 12 gates is, is actually a story of, of hope and redemption. Would you, would you just come? Will you come into the city no matter what your past is? It's a picture of our past, but also a picture of redemption and invitation. The third one, a picture of our purpose. Now, in, in reading all this stuff, it's hard not to get caught up in, in this picturing the city with the pearly gates and the streets of gold, and, and, and that's where we're going to be uh, dreaming about this heaven that we're going to be going to, walking on these streets. But remember, the angel is actually saying, come, I want to show you the bride. Right? He's giving us understanding and meaning of this relationship, uh, not necessarily the, the city. The city is just giving us meaning to the bride. Now, in the image and design of the, the city, then, there's this rich symbolism of our purpose. Uh, the angel has a measuring rod. And he brings John, and, and he starts measuring everything of the city. The, the length, the width, the, the height. He measures the, the gates. Uh, now, I don't know how long it would took to measure this, but uh, 12,000 stadia is about 1,380 miles, roughly. 1,380 miles. How long would it take to measure 1,380 miles? Well, in a car, how long would that take? A long time. I, okay, not, you don't have a laser, so you're not lasering measuring it. You're doing it with a golden rod. So, so think about that. One, 
two, three, 1,380 miles. And you get down to 1,378, 1,379, 1,380. Whew, we're done. Okay, now let's do the width. One, two, three. Can you imagine how long that would take? A long time to measure all these things. Uh, but the, the point of this is that uh, he's saying, I'm inviting you into something that you may not be able to comprehend or see. There's no way you can see 1,380 miles away in all directions. Um, we can't even see up that high. And yet, he's giving us this, this beauty of the city and these measurements and going, I'm inviting you into something that's much more than you can comprehend or realize. But I'm going to take you through the process so you can begin to see, begin to get some understanding. It's also important to understand that it's a cube. Uh, it, it's the same uh, length and width and height. It would be like from, uh, we talked about earlier, it'd be like from going from Seattle to LA and then maybe all the way over to like uh, the end of Texas or Louisiana and then all the way back up that whole thing in the United States. It's a huge area, but not only that, it's 1,380 miles up. When you're flying in an airplane all the way up, you're probably going five or six miles up. This city is 1,380 miles up as well. It's, it's a place that is joining heaven to earth together. It's a, it's a city that's a, a cube. There's another cube in the Bible. There's another place that's equal length and width and, and height. And that cube, just like this picture in Revelation 21, is also covered in entirely with, with gold. The cube was in the, was in the temple, it was in the inner city of the temple where the Lord himself dwelt in the Holy of Holies. It was the same in all directions, height, width, length. And it was a cube covered in all gold, just like, the, just like this image that we have. So here's what I think is going on. As John's talking about the city and he gives us the dimensions, he's saying it's like this Holy of Holies, but only not just for one high priest once a year. This whole thing is like blown up to huge proportions and he's inviting everyone in. So as everyone comes into this city, this Holy of Holies that's blown up a million times covered in gold, it's where God is dwelling. And he's saying, everyone come in. You're all priests. Come on in. Come to this city. Which makes us then like priests. The walls of this city then, they're actually not meant for defense. They're meant for decorations. To show and reflect the glory of the one who lights the day. The foundations of the walls, they're covered in these jewels of this very special kind that you can actually find in, in, in several other places in, the, in Ezekiel and then also in Exodus. It's, it's the, these are the jewels of the priest, of the high priest on the ephod that represent the 12 tribes. Those 12 stones that represent the 12 tribes, that represent the 12 apostles, that represent the bride, the people of God are on the foundations of the city, which means that everyone who comes into this holy of holies that's like blown up a million times, that has gates open, that, that, that has these jewels all on them, symbolizing the priesthood, he's saying, would you come into this city, come into this bride and become a kingdom of priests with me? The bride that's pictured in purity, a redeemed past, has a purpose to reflect the one who's called her in. But even though... All the eyes 
in the wedding are, are on the bride. There is one eyes who are on someone else. And without that, uh, that one other person that's there, the bride is looking at, there would be no wedding. There would be no relationship. There would be no purpose or, or meaning of that day. There would be no redemption. No reason to get dressed up. So lastly, we're gonna, I want to show you the picture of his presence. A picture of his presence. We've seen the bride, a picture of this purity, of the past, of an invitation, of a purpose, uh, what she's there for. And, but now we're going to see uh, a picture of his presence. Even though all the people in a wedding celebration turn their back on the groom, uh, in that moment they get a glimpse of the bride. You can, you can actually see a reflection of the groom in her face and her eyes. You can tell if, he, if, if she's loved well, if she's valued, if she's esteemed, if, if there's joy on her face as, she, as she's just there in full delight of her groom. You, you can see it in her face. In, in that moment, you actually don't even have to look at the groom. You, you can tell what he's like and how he treats her. You know, I've never seen um, a bride open that back door and just stand there and go, look at me. Aren't I amazing? I'm beautiful. No, there's a, there's a process that happens. As her eyes are on her, on her groom, she does that, that march up to the front. And in doing that, takes everyone's eyes in the whole sanctuary and brings their eyes to see the groom along with her. Now, John has told us all these things about... Uh, this vision, the glimmering gold, the jewels, the absolute beauty. And now I think what he's doing is leading us to the front in the very end of chapter 21, leading us up to the front of the sanctuary to get a glimpse of the picture of his presence. See, John says there's no need for a temple or sun or moon because God is there. He's faithful and he's calling and loving his bride, the church. So the real prize or the real goal or aim of our eternal home is not stuff. It's a person. It's a, it's a relationship. Uh, having streets of gold but no uh, lover of your soul or meaning or, or forgiveness or freedom in, in, in this relationship is just cold and empty. So I want to end here uh, with how we should respond as a church. As the bride, how should we respond to this image of the, of the bride, the lamb, uh, the bride of the lamb? And, and here's what I want us to encourage all of us to do. As we are reflecting the one who loves us, who's calling us to this eternal home, even, even now redeeming us and preparing us, is to make sure we keep our eyes on the Lord. That as we walk towards him and closer to him, we're going to take everyone who's watching us as the church and they're going to start seeing, oh, they're, they're in love with the Lord. He is changing them. And as we walk towards him and close to him, uh, we shouldn't get distracted by the shiny things. We shouldn't get, lose our focus off of the person of Jesus and getting to know him better and falling more in love with him every day. You know, I leave work uh, Monday through Thursday. I leave work about 4 or 5 o'clock. I, I make a little short trek home. I go home, the, the same home every day. It, it's, not a, it's not an amazing uh, home. It's pretty small. The carpets are really worn out. Uh, it's, it's not great, but I love going home. And you know why? Because when I get home, my wife's there. And she gives me a kiss. Says, welcome home. How was your day? When our kids were little, 
They don't do as much anymore. But when our kids were little, they used to wait on the couch by the window. And as soon as daddy came home, they would scream, daddy's home, daddy's home, and come out and give me hugs and kisses. I could care less if my house was streets of gold or not. I came home to that relationship. And that's a picture of the new heavens and the new earth. It's not, a, it's not as much as a place as it is a, a person. Now there it's an amazing place. This is like any place you'd ever want to be is there. But, with, but it's even more and in-depth than that because the person who created you, who loves you, who's redeeming you, said, I'll be there with you every time, all the time. In the same way, Jesus is calling you. He's inviting each one of you. doesn't matter your past or your history. The gates are wide open, and he's saying, would you come? I love you. I redeemed you. I want to prepare you. I want to give you a hope and a purpose and a meaning in life. Come to me. And for those of us who are, are following Jesus, the encouragement is just keep following him. Keep your eyes on him and, and him alone. And as you're pursuing him and walking towards him, you're going to reflect the love of our Father. The prize of our eternal home is not a place, but a person. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for loving us, sending your Son to to die for us, to redeem us, to forgive us, to prepare a place for us where we can be with you. Lord, and it's going to be amazing, but... But really the, the meaning and the hope in all of it is that you'll be there with us. That you'll be there um, to love us and, and, and we can enjoy each other. And Lord, I pray that as we are called your bride now, that we begin even this day to keep our eyes focused on you. That it would, uh, it would mean times of, of worship and reading your word and knowing you better so that as we walk closer to you, the world would look at us and see, wow, Someone must love them very deeply, and you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.